It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a fantastic and amazing show. First of all, I want to share a few things I've been learning and thinking about lately, just for a minute or two, and I generally do this every single week. I was talking with a friend recently about the idea of owning your awesomeness. We all have unique strengths and abilities that make us special people. And sometimes it can be very difficult for us to see how that is true. And sometimes we just need to be reminded. I believe all of us are gifted and talented and our job is to discover what that is. Some people are fortunate enough to figure that out very early in life. Tiger Woods was given a golf club by his dad when he was three years old. And through his God-given talent and a lot of practice, he became the best in the world in his generation. Some people figured out quite late in life. Colonel Sanders didn't start his chicken franchise until he retired. Sadly enough, many people never really figured out at all. They drift and let life take them wherever it wants to. Then they wonder why they haven't accomplished anything significant. It's up to you to figure out what you want and where you plan on going. No matter who you are or where you are, you are enough. Discover and use the talents you have. And whatever you aren't good at, ask for help. There's nothing wrong with that. Everything that is needed to accomplish your big dream is available to you. It's just a matter of finding it. You'll be amazed at what help is available to you if you only ask for it. Nobody is meant to do everything all by themselves. So embrace how wonderfully and abundantly blessed you really are. You are worth it. And before I forget, if you've not gotten my latest book, it's called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from Being an Entrepreneur, Volume 3. It's the third and final installment in the series. It is on Amazon, and I would be honored if you would pick that up and even leave a review on Amazon for me. That would be fantastic. With all that in mind, let's get started. I don't have a guest this week, so it's just us, and I cannot wait to share what I've been thinking about lately. One of the things that I do in addition to doing my radio show is I help people write their books. And if you've listened to this show for any length of time, you already know this. But it has been quite a while since I've done a show dedicated to helping people getting started. I talk to people all the time who think about writing a book. They say that's been on their radar forever. And in fact, over 80% of people who are out there want to write a book, but fewer than 1% of them actually do. And there are some really good reasons why people never get around to doing that. And I'll outline three of those here. The number one reason why people don't write a book is because they don't think they're good enough writers. Well, the people who don't think they're good enough recognize what they are good at and they source out the stuff that they cannot or do not want to do. Think about this. Politicians, musicians, and celebrities don't always write their own books. They source that out. When Donald Trump wrote The Art of the Deal in the 80s, he dictated out loud what he wanted to say, and this was pre-internet. His secretary was sitting in the back of the limo with him, writing on a steno pad in shorthand 
everything he was saying, then she would type up the notes and present them to him. And he would approve or not approve what was written down, make changes or whatever the case was. But that's how the art of the deal got written. And it was his first book. It was a monumental bestseller, and it's a fantastic book. If you've not read The Art of the Deal, it's a great insight to how he thinks and how he tries to create win-win situations all the way around. Robert Kiyosaki is another great example of someone who gets help when he writes his book. In fact, he very famously calls himself a best-selling author, not a best-writing author. He has a lot of great ideas in his head, and his book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, changed the way that we think about money. And it is one of the most successful books about money and finance in the last 30 to 35 years. If you've not picked up Rich Dad, Poor Dad, go ahead and do that. I also recommend Retire Young, Retire Rich. That's the first book I read of his. And then I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad later. And then I read Cash Flow Quadrant, which was basically a sequel to Rich Dad, Poor Dad, explaining the four quadrants of money in a lot more detail. But he's got a lot to say about money and he will... Turn your head as to how you think about it. But he calls himself a best-selling author, not a best-writing author. So the number one reason why people don't write their book is because they just don't think they're good enough writers. The second reason why people don't get around to writing their books is because they think they have nothing to say. Or even worse, they think that no one will care or pay attention to whatever it is they have to say. Let me offer you this. We are all good at something. And if only one person is impacted by your message, it is worthwhile. In fact, I would say, and I probably will say later in the show as well, the longer you wait to write your book, the longer the person who needs you does not get to experience you and your brilliance. So you do have something to say. And a lot of people sometimes dismiss their expertise because they think everyone knows what they know. No, that is not true. That's not true at all. What may seem second nature to me might be like speaking Latin. It may not even register as something that they know something about. Conversely, if you asked me to go teach a class on economics, that's not something that I'm really strong at. And so it would be a very difficult thing. But an economist or an economics teacher could do that all day long, but they might flail around trying to write about it. So we all have a talent. And yes, I would argue that you do have something to say. Do make sure that you are an actual expert in the thing that you want to write about. Nothing grates me more than someone who wants to write a book about how to make a million dollars and they've never done it themselves. Or they write a book about how to make a million dollars and it's all about buying my book. And the sum total of those sales would equal a million dollars. Be an expert in what you do. But I do think that all of us are good at something. We've all gone through something that other people would be very glad to hear your expertise on. So that's the number two reason they think they have nothing to say. And finally, the number three reason why people don't write their books is because they don't think they have time. Well, we can all make time somewhere for the things that are really important to us. Write a page or two a day and you can have a book done in just a few weeks. And again, if you don't think you have time, source it out to someone who's really good at writing. It's a great return on your time. So we've talked about three reasons why people don't write a book. Let's talk about why you should write a book or why people do write books. Number one, it's to fulfill a bucket list item. I talk to people all the time who say, you know, I'd love to do this. It's something I've always, always wanted to do. So do it. If you don't make a plan to do it, you won't ever do it. People also write their books to use as a lead generation tool in their business. 
they might use it as a way to say toward the back of their book, if you want to learn more about what I do, visit this website or get on my email list or buy this other course or buy a book or come to my free event. It's a great way to generate leads. So you can use your book as a lead gen tool. People also use books as a giveaway to potential clients. Think about this. If you are encountering a potential client who is shopping you against a couple of other people in your industry, and you were the only one of those three who has written a book, then you must be the expert. It's something that is perceived. So credibility, even if it is perceived, is important. And in fact, that's another reason why you should write a book is because you do have higher perceived credibility in the marketplace. So definitely do that. And another really good reason why you should write your book, and I've already alluded to this, you can create revenue streams from your book, whether it's creating a coaching program, whether it's inviting people to a retreat, whether it's creating a mastermind program where you have a bunch of people that pay to be a part of your group to learn more about what it is you do. It can lead to speaking on stage. It can lead to selling more of your books. It could lead to selling books that you have previously written, and it can lead to clients. In fact, I've used my books to generate book writing clients. I've used my magazine to generate book writing clients. I have used this show to generate book writing clients. I've used this show to generate people who subscribe to my magazine. So when you have more than one platform going on, you can cross promote, cross pollinate. And one plus one plus one doesn't equal just three. It equals five or six. And if you do it consistently, you will build your brand a lot faster. But you absolutely should write a book for all the reasons that I just talked about. And finally, perhaps the best reason of all, which can lead to a lot more business, is when you write a book, you have material to repurpose. You can use content from your book to create a course. In fact, I had a client do it the other way around. He had a course that he wanted to repurpose into a book, which was then used to lead people back to his course. It was brilliant. You can use content from your book to write magazine articles. I've done this all the time. I will take a chapter from one of my books and I will write a magazine article for myself or for someone else. I might use content from my book to do Facebook Lives. In fact, when I launch a book, I've been known to do a Facebook Live every single day about one idea in one chapter of my book, and I will spend every single day doing a short five to seven minute Facebook Live about one chapter. And then when I'm done with the entire book, I will go back and start over again with chapter one, and I will pick a different idea that I didn't talk about last time from chapter one, a different idea from chapter two the next day, and so on. You could easily go a month or more every single day doing just that with Facebook Lives, and it gets your ideas out there so much faster. So now that you've decided to start, what are three things that you need before you start? Number one, you should have a clear message. You need to know what your purpose is. You need to know what kind of impact you want to make on people. What should people take away from your book after reading it? I frequently ask people, why are you writing this book? And they look at me a little sideways. Well, everyone writes their book. Yes, but why do you want to write your book? Your friends and your family will buy your book by default. Everyone else will hit the, no, the who cares button if there's not a compelling reason for them to read your book. So what do you want people to take away from your book after you're reading it? That will help you zone in on what you should be writing about. The number two thing you need before starting is know what your audience wants. And that is usually the intersection of three things. What do you know a lot about? What does your audience want to know about? And what will your audience pay for? Because after all, you would like to make some money doing this, right? So what do you know about? What does your audience want to know about? What will your audience pay for? So 
The third thing is have an end game in mind. What do you want your audience to do, change, feel, or believe when they finish your book? Do you want them to hire you to speak? Do you want them to get on your email list? Do you want them to subscribe to something? Do you want them to come to your event? And I frequently ask my clients this at the very beginning of our journey, what is your end game? What do you want to do with this? What do you want your audience to do next? Because the book is not the end. It is the beginning of your journey. So what will your call to action be at the end of your book? We are coming up against our first break. We have spent the first bit of time here talking about why people don't write their book, why they should write their book, and the three things you need to get started. And we will talk about exactly how you get started when we come back. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Join us on the other side. Can't wait to finish sharing what I want to tell you about today. Go write your book. Do it now. And we'll learn more about that when we come back. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. It's merging A fisherman from Palawan Island in the Philippines recently gave his aunt a 75-pound pearl he found while fishing. He had been keeping the two-foot-long and one-foot-wide juggernaut of a pearl under his bed for the last ten years, hoping it would bring him good luck. When he discovered the precious gem inside a giant mollusk that was snagged in his anchor, he had no idea it could be worth as much as $100 million. The origin of the name pearl is derived from the Latin word purum, which means pear reflecting its shape. Palawan officials are still waiting for experts to confirm its authenticity. But if the gem turns out to be real, it could be the world's largest known natural pearl. For now, the humongous good luck charm is on display at City Hall in the town of Puerto Princesa. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. And this week we're talking about things you need to know to get started writing your book and how you can use that book. If you have not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, please do that. Leave me a review, preferably five stars, if you think we've earned it. And I would really appreciate that. This show is over 11 years old, and I love doing this show. And I can't wait until we get to episode 500, which is coming up really shortly. Can't wait to share that with you. So we've talked about why people don't write a book. We talk about why people should write a book, and we talked about the three things you need to know 
before you start. So now let's talk about how you actually get started writing your book. If you feel stuck, if you feel utterly powerless and, and not creative, and you have no idea what you could even write about, one of the things you can do is to ask people that you trust, if I was to write a book, what would you expect me to write about? It's a very revealing question because now you get to see how other people perceive you. You get to see what other people think you're really good at. I mean, maybe you had something really traumatic happen to you and you rose like a phoenix from the ashes. And maybe people think you need to write about whatever that was. Maybe you're really good at something in particular. And maybe people who don't know anything about that topic would like to learn that from you. So think about that. What would you expect me to write about if I wrote a book? As a corollary, what do people compliment you on all the time? Because again, like I mentioned in the last segment, things that seem second nature to you might seem absolutely brilliant to others, and you would have no idea unless you ask. One particular format that you can use is a question and answer format. That could be the basis for the outlines of a chapter. For example, if you are a real estate agent and you wanted to write about how to buy or sell a house. If you're an agent, you usually specialize in one or the other, although you could do both. But let's just say that you're working with buyers. Most of the people you're working with perhaps have never bought a home before. So what are all the rookie questions that home buyers ask? And then figure out what the answers to those questions are. That could be an outline in a question answer format. It's a brilliant way to get a book started. What you also need to do is to tell stories in your book because stories sell and have your stories support the idea that you're discussing. Too many people simply want to tell their story, but there has to be a reason for your stories. So if you were in a real estate situation, for example, and people had questions about what happens if you don't get pre-qualified first, you could probably tell a story or two of a client of yours who insisted that you show them a home before they got pre-qualified and then talk about all the bad things that happened. They fall in love with a house, they aren't qualified, and now they're heartbroken. So stories sell. Now, if you feel utterly stuck and you don't know how to get started even writing, here's what you can do. You can just type something out on a Word document, or you can speak to a recorded line and have it transcribed, and then you can edit that. That's a great way to brain dump something out into the universe and you have something in front of you. And now once you have that, you can figure out all the things that you forgot to talk about or you can modify and say, I shouldn't be talking about that, but let me clean that up and talk about something else. So speaking to a recorded line and getting it transcribed and edited is a great way to get your book started. So now that we've talked about how you get started, how can you find content for your book? And this might be something that people also feel stuck on. Let me just give you some ideas that might inspire you. If you have a Facebook group, for example, ask questions and have people share their experiences with your topic. For example, I helped a client write a book about resiliency and the power of overcoming horrible things in their life, whether it's marriage or losing your job or losing a child or losing a parent or going bankrupt or having a short sale, all those things are awful events. And when you have a whole bunch of those things happen to you in your life, it can beat you down, but how do you rise from the ashes? So I had a client who wanted to write a book about that and she was stuck thinking, I don't think I have enough content for this book. I suggested when she told me she had two Facebook groups to ask the group about their overcoming stories. She got 25 of those stories and with their permission, 
she used all of those stories in her book. It was brilliant. So Facebook groups is number one. The number two way that you can curate content for your book is to use your own life experiences. For example, one of my books is called The Greatest Lessons I Learned From My Dad. Now, when my dad passed two years ago, I knew I wanted to do a book to basically encapsulize and honor and summarize some of the greatest things that I learned from him. I wasn't ready right away. I had to process and I had to grieve. But about six months later, I decided I was finally ready. And I figured if I had lessons that I learned from my dad, maybe other people did too. And so I invited other people to contribute their great dad stories. And that's where that book came from. The greatest lessons I learned from my dad. It's on Amazon. So your life experiences can be a great source of content for your book. The number three thing you can do to curate content for your book is to look at things you've already written or created already. Maybe you have written magazine articles. We talked earlier about using your book to create magazine articles. You can flip that around and go to all the magazine articles you've written and repurpose that into a book. In fact, my longest standing magazine contributor saved all of his articles and he plans on repurposing all of those articles into two books. So that's a great source of content. Another thing you can use in terms of using content you've created already is to use blog posts. In episode number 100, I interviewed Jeffrey Gittimer and asked him, how did you decide to write your first book? And he said, I never actually decided to do that. I decided to write a blog about all the stupid things that salespeople do. And by the time I had 100 blog entries, I realized I had a book. How awesome is that? Another thing you can do is to do Facebook Lives. Now, once again, I did talk earlier about how you can use your book to create Facebook Lives. You can flip it around and do it the other way. Maybe you've done a bunch of Facebook Lives around a singular topic. You can get those transcribed and compile those into a book and, and just expand the ideas. In fact, I had a client who did a bunch of Facebook Lives on a single topic, and that is something we turned into a book, and we had some sessions to expand on some of those ideas further. So that can work. Another thing that you can do to use content you've created is you can use a course that you've created. Again, I talked in the last segment about how you can use your book to create a course. I had a client who used his course to create a book and then redirected that book back to his course and he got clients that way. So he had a book about using LinkedIn to build your network marketing business. And we turned his course into a best-selling book. In fact, Book Authority recently ranked his book as the number one LinkedIn book of all time. And it was a really fun project. And finally, you can use Facebook posts or LinkedIn posts. If you like to do long form content on Facebook or LinkedIn, go back and compile a bunch of your favorite ones. And perhaps there is some synergy there might be some topic commonality that you can use a bunch about, about a bunch of those and you can create a book out of that. So there's a lot of ways that you can create content for your book. Something else you can do to curate content for your book is you can get inspired, inspired by what other people have written. So read a lot. In fact, I sometimes feel utterly stuck and empty and I don't know what to write. In fact, I had a conversation once with my business coach. I said, Chris, I feel stuck. He said, you're not reading enough. That was a punch to the gut, but he was absolutely right. So I started reading more and I got ideas. So you might be inspired by something that you've read and that can trigger, trigger you to write about something that you had a similar experience with. So 
here's something that I want to talk about next. When you are writing a book, don't think that the first version is going to be your final version because it frequently isn't. In fact, sometimes when you start writing a book, you realize that your book is actually becoming a book about something else. Your book could evolve into something that you had not originally intended. So be willing to adapt along the lines of that. For example, when I wrote my very first book, it was a student leadership strategies book. For me, using the question and answer sequence that I talked about a little bit earlier, I sat down with a legal pad on the back patio uh, of my home and I wrote at the top of the page, what makes an excellent leader? What makes an excellent leader? I wanted to come up with at least 21 answers to that question. I came up with 30 of them. As I started writing my book, I realized that some of the ideas that I had were very similar. So those merged into shorter, shorter chapters. Those ideas merged into one. And so by the time I was done, those 30 ideas became 21 ideas. Anyway, I had my 21 chapters. Now, I have an example of a client who is in the plumbing services business, and he has decided to do a core values book. Now, you might think, why isn't he writing a book about how to fix things? Well, you can look that up online. And how to fix your sink isn't an inherently interesting topic. You have to do something awfully special to spice that up. But he can use this as a lead generation tool for possible clients about why they should hire this company. Lots of plumbing services companies do the same thing, but what makes this person's business stand out? It's about the core values. It's about how they interact with their customers. It's about how they treat their customers. It's about how they make things right when things go wrong. So what are the core values in your company? So he's using that book as a core values book. What you can do is to set aside regular time to write without distraction. Now, sometimes that can be really challenging, but figure out what time of day works best. I'm a morning person. I feel like I'm the most created then. You might be an evening person, so you might want to do something in the evening. Sometimes if you have young children, you might want to wait until they go to bed or you might want to get up way before they do so that you have some private time to get some writing done. And when I do writing, I sometimes will have instrumental music in the background or at least music that I'm very familiar with. When I play unfamiliar music or stuff that I haven't heard before, I tend to get distracted, distracted by it. So. Something else that I also have done is I stay offline when I'm writing. It prevents the temptation to keep checking messages or chatting with friends. In fact, one time when I went to get my car serviced at the dealership, I took my laptop with me and I edited a client's book without listening to music, without watching the TV. The TV was off and I had peace and quiet for about an hour and a half while I waited for my car to get serviced. I got so much done. It was mind blowing. And being in a different environment was very helpful. And the final thing I want to say about that is take regular breaks. Go for a walk for a few minutes, call a client, call a friend, call someone who motivates and inspires you, or take care of something that maybe only takes 10 or 15 minutes to do, or even go for a walk. We will come right back after our next break. We've talked about how you can get started writing a book. We, can talk, we talked about ways to curate content for your book and the things that you can do to stay productive. What we're going to talk about next is a little bit more about editing. We're going to talk about how to get your book formatted. We're going to talk about designing your book. We're going to talk about marketing your book. We will talk about all those things and more when we come back. This is Success Profiles Radio.
The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. And this week we're talking about writing a book, why you should do it, what you can use it for, how you can make money doing it. So let's talk next about not being afraid to edit and change things along the way. Just because you've committed something to paper or a Word document doesn't mean you can't change it. In fact, it frequently happens. In fact, when I work with my clients, for example, I will share what I've done on a Google Doc so that we can both edit in real time. And frequently they want to make changes or they may want to add stories that they didn't think of the first time, or they may change their mind about something we talked about and say, I, I can't talk about this. So we change it. Now I did have one occasion where someone loved the first draft that I presented and God bless him <laughs> made my life so, so much easy, easier. So I'll give you an example. When I was writing my book about the greatest lessons I learned from my dad, I took out some of the stories because I couldn't figure out a way to spin them into a positive lesson because remember whatever you write about turns into your legacy. Now I chose to focus on positive lessons. In other words, I made these lessons things that I learned because I screwed up. I didn't make them lessons about my dad screwing up. I didn't want that to be out in the universe. And if there are stories like that, I just choose to keep those things to myself. But I love my dad dearly. And there were a lot of really amazing things I learned from him. And I do respect his wisdom, even in his absence, two years on. But don't be afraid to edit and change things along the way if you find that what you've written isn't quite resonating with you. And to that end, I would also say be authentic. You have to be true to yourself, but you have to be authentic for what your readers might be expecting. Now, readers are not looking for perfection from you. They do expect to read a book that isn't full of mistakes, but they're not expecting you to be perfect. Your mess is your message, and it makes you relatable. Now, that being said, I have read best-selling books where there might be a typo or two, even by the big publishing houses in New York. It's rare, but those mistakes do get out there. 
So just because there's a mistake in your book doesn't mean your entire book is worthless. Just look at the lesson. That's what I choose to do is I choose to look at the lesson that the author is communicating. Now that doesn't give you license to write a sloppy book. That's not what I mean at all. I'm just saying, don't be so hooked on having an error-free book. If it, Think about this. When you wrote your English term paper that was two, three, or four pages long, were there any mistakes at all? Usually there was at least one. Now imagine trying to write a 200-page book and expecting that to be completely mistake-free. Yes, that's what editors are for, but editors sometimes make mistakes too. In fact, with my last book, I turned it over to my editor. She fixed a lot of things. I went through it one last time. I found about a half a dozen mistakes that I found that she missed. And that made the book so much better. In fact, I think it's probably one of the best books from a technical standpoint that I've ever released. So I was very, very happy about that. But your readers are not expecting perfection from you. Don't be afraid to mess up. But again, it makes you relatable. Now, in my dad book, I talked about being authentic a little bit ago. That means be be vulnerable. I shared how I experienced some financial difficulties, and there was a time where I had to ask for financial help more than I was comfortable with, and that took a lot of courage. One of my clients decided to be authentic and vulnerable by doing a book about overcoming addiction. He shared that he went to jail four times before getting sober for good. And the reason he got sober is because he finally realized he may never see his kids again if he does not clean his act up. I had another client share about his journey getting to the Olympics and how he succeeded and failed many times before finally winning medals at the 2008 Beijing Summer Games. His journey was very, very roller coaster like He had injuries late in his career, there were times where he fell off the apparatus numerous times in national competitions, and he still didn't give up. So that journey was amazing to write about. Now, when you are done, it is a good idea to reread the book and edit it. Even if you hire an editor, it'll make your book stronger in the end. And if you do want a reference to an editor, reach out to me privately, and I'll be very glad to refer that to you. You can email me, brian at briankwright.com, and I'd love to talk to you about your project or a referral to a resource if you want me to. Now, let's just say for the sake of example that your book is really close to being ready to go. Now, once you have a manuscript that you were happy with, you're gonna have to format your book in a way that Amazon will accept it. You can find people on uh, Fiverr or Upwork to format your book. I have a virtual assistant who handles this for me now, and she does a really great job. You also need to get your front and back cover design. Again, Fiverr and Upwork or a graphic designer can do this. Get multiple versions of your front and back cover. Ask your Facebook groups or your audience which ones they like the best. You might be very, very surprised at which one your audience picks. In fact, sometimes your audience will say, I like this with cover number one, but I like this with cover number two. Can you come up with something that would combine them? Sometimes there is a clear winner and sometimes the winner is not the one that you would have picked. Let me tell you about how the cover to my dad book happened. I originally had a picture of an adult on the cover thinking, dad. Now, I didn't have any pictures of my dad. That would be really great book covers. And so my VA found an image and I shared that with my Facebook group, Authorpreneur Live. And a few people said, why is there not a child in this photo with the adult? And I thought, wow, what a great suggestion. So I had my VA mock up some more with an adult and a child. And then I had some more feedback about how come the child has to be a boy? How come there's not a girl in the, in the book? 
well, because my name is on the book and I'm not a girl. That's really it. It's not that I'm trying to not be inclusive, but common sense has to prevail at some point, right? So if you are a girl and you want a picture of a little girl on your cover, you have all the right in the world to do that. But that's how my dad book evolved. I had one version. My Facebook gave me incredible feedback and I had my VA whip up a bunch of others. I got more feedback until there was a pretty substantial majority that agreed that one cover was the right one. Now, once the book is in PDF form, once it is formatted, reread it again because things will look very different for you in a PDF format than it did in a Word document. Take my word for it. When I edit my magazine every month, I edit the Word documents of what my contributors bring to me. And once it's formatted in PDF, it just looks very different. And I catch things that I missed before. So reread it again. Now, of course, obviously, you have to have a finish line sometime. But edit it before you give it to your formatter and then edit again. And if there are still mistakes, have your designer go back and fix the things that you need to have fixed and your book will be very much stronger for it. Now, what happens when you are getting really close to being done? You're going to want to tease the release, the release date on social media in advance to build up some buzz for your book. So here's what I do. I have my VA create memes for me so that I can share one of them a day. So let's just say that I have seven or eight pictures of myself. Maybe it's me in a headshot. Maybe it's me speaking somewhere. Maybe it's me with books at a display table or magazines at a display table. Maybe it's a picture of me and my mom. Maybe it's a picture of me and my dad. Maybe it's a family photo. Maybe it's a picture of me and my dog. But I will give my VA several different photos. And what I will do is... In that meme, I will have an image of the front cover in one corner and the title of one chapter at the bottom. See where this is going? So if your book has 12 chapters, you can have 12 different memes. So have 12 different pictures and have your assistant or whoever mock up a meme for each chapter. And you can share one of those a day and have something to say about that chapter in your book as a long form post. Now, if you want to repeat the use of those memes later and cycle through them again, say something different about that chapter. You see where this is going? You can repurpose the same content over and over and over again. So have multiple memes so that you can keep the buzz going because I'll tell you what, you will sell a good share of the copies that you will ever sell on launch day, but there will be people who are continually buying your books for days or weeks after because they didn't see the original post. You know how Facebook algorithms go, right? You aren't going to see everyone's stuff. But if you keep posting about it, eventually people who intend to buy your book will see it if they didn't see it the first time. So have multiple beams. The other thing that I mentioned earlier, do Facebook Lives every day for several weeks. And I'm not kidding about this. You have to keep the buzz out there because it's a lot like radio advertising in a way. If you want someone to buy something based off of a visual medium, you're going to have to keep that message out there multiple times. If someone doesn't know you very well, it might take eight, nine, or 10 impressions of you to go from zero to yes, I'll buy your thing. And here's the caveat to that. For every one impression that person sees, there might be two other impressions that they don't see. So you might have to put your message out 25 or 30 times in order for that person to go from, I don't know you, to yes, I'll buy your thing. 
So do Facebook Lives and do them abundantly and frequently and consistently. Another thing you can do to tease the release of your book is to have friends or podcasters interview you on Facebook or on their radio show or their podcast. I've done this all the time with people that I know who have a book release coming up. Sometimes we do the book, re- uh, the the radio show before the release date, and sometimes we'll do it on the day of the release or we'll do it during the week of release so that there can be momentum. Because if you were trying to get ranked very highly on Amazon, their algorithm is that you sell a whole bunch of books in a short amount of time. That's how your book gets ranked on Amazon or any other list that you want to be on. So have friends or podcasters interview you. Also have a syndicate of people that you like, know, and trust, share and promote. And it's easier if you have multiple collaborators in your book like I did. The dad book had, I think, 28 people. So what did I do? I had my VA create a meme for every single one of them. And I said, share this meme on release day or in the days following. And so that conversation kept going for quite a long time because I had a guarantee of 28 other people in addition to myself sharing that book. And it was a beautiful thing. Now, an example, I like I mentioned earlier with my Conversations High Achievers book, I did the one Facebook per day trick about each chapter. And you can do Facebook Live every day for at least a month. And if your book happens to be on a timely topic, you can tie promotions to the topic. For example, my dad book came out three weeks before Christmas, three weeks before Christmas. And so I sold a bunch of books then. And I will do another promotion before Father's Day because guess what? Dad's Father's Day, it's a no-brainer. I will do the same for my mom book, The Greatest Lessons I Learned from My Mom. I will do a set of promotions before Mother's Day. And so every year I will have an excuse to trot out social media posts and promotions for those two books in particular because they have a tie to a holiday or a day that we all think highly of. We are getting awfully close to our final break. We talked about how to get your book edited. We talked about formatting your book. We talked about getting book covers done. And let me just add a note about how I format the back of the book. The top half of the back cover is usually a blurb from the introduction that will get people roped into wanting to learn more about the book. And then the bottom half of the book, I usually have a a professional photo of myself on one side and a very short bio of myself on the other side. You can have a much longer version of the bio at the back of the book, the, the last page of your book. But that's enough for people to get to know who you are. And the idea is you want to create content on your cover that will rope people in and want them to read your book. We'll be right back. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian.
ladies, listen up. Did you know recent studies are suggesting that women with skinny waists but sizable hips are smarter than other women? Scientists at the University of Pittsburgh and the University of California gave cognitive tests to a group of 16,000 women and girls of different body types and found the women with the greatest hip-to-waist proportions scored higher. Hmm, I guess that would make me a walking encyclopedia Britannica. No, hold on. That doesn't mean it's okay for us to be a powder pigeon. That's another name for a woman whose sizable hips can take up a whole supermarket aisle. Research suggests that the fat around fuller hips and thighs holds higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids, which helps the brain. I'm not sure if I would rather be able to do the Sunday crossword puzzle or get into those jeans I bought 10 years ago. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. If not, if you've not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, please do that. Leave a review. That would be absolutely amazing. You can also ask Siri, Alexa, or your Google device to play Success Profiles Radio, and you will start hearing the last episode that has been completed. And after today, that will be this one. I also have learned that you can listen on Spotify for free. How awesome is that? So there's lots of places you can find Success Profiles Radio. Let's talk about promoting your book now. Uh, Let's just assume that your book is done. How can you get your book promoted on launch day and for days after? See, here's the thing. A lot of people think that once launch day is over, I'm done promoting my book. Now, would you have a baby and only feed it on the day it's born? No, you would not. This baby is with you for the rest of your life, so keep feeding it. What a great analogy, huh? So promote your book. You're not going to feed your baby only on the day that's born. That would just be stupid. So what can you do to promote your book? One thing I would advocate is you create a, a media list perhaps a top 100 media list that you want to get on. Now, some of those, you know, you might think, I want to be on Good Morning America. Great, we all do. If you don't know somebody connected to Good Morning America, it might take you an awfully long time to do that, unless you hired a big publishing firm, which most of us probably aren't going to do. So have a list of podcasts or radio shows or media outlets and reach out regularly. Another thing you can do is to put out a press release. Now, lots of people don't want to spend money on a press release, but if you do it right, you might get some traction on it. In fact, with one of my books, I hired a professional to get a press release done. It was beautiful. And the first time I did this, it got picked up by over 200 outlets, but I got zero responses. You know why? It's because I didn't follow up. And I didn't know that you could do that. I saw that it got picked up by Yahoo Finance. I got a screenshot of that so I can prove that. So it's awesome. But I failed to follow up, so I got zero traction. So the next time I do a press release, I'm going to follow up with all the outlets that picked me up, and I'm going to invite them to interview me for their publication. Another thing you can do to promote your book is to have a book release party and invite people. They will buy your book if they haven't, and if they already have, they'll bring the copy they already bought, and they'll ask you to sign it and provide some refreshments, some snacks, and some water. That'll be nice, and and have the party be an open house that lasts maybe an hour and a half to maybe two hours at the absolute most, but people are busy, but have a book release party that can help. Another thing you can do is you can do book signings. Now, before COVID, I did over 15 Barnes Noble book signings in the Phoenix area, 
and I always had new people buy my book. Now, here's the thing. Some people aren't very good at doing book signings because they sit there at the table expecting people to just magically wander over to the table just because you're sitting there. That's not going to work. People go to the bookstore for their reasons and not because of you. They are usually there because they want to browse or there is something specific they're looking for. They are not coming to the bookstore just to see you unless they're a friend or family member. So what you need to do is stand up and talk to everyone who enters the store. Engage in conversation. You cannot just sit and wait for people to approach you. So get creative with your book signings. In fact, when I had a guest on my show, his name was Crew Pepperts, and he was known as the Cowboy Philosopher. He did a book signing while sitting on a horse. It was memorable, and it was completely within his brand. He was a cowboy. Cowboys sit on a horse. So he signed books while sitting on his horse. He got press, and he was memorable. And I'm still talking about it years later. So you can get creative with your book signings. Now, what revenue streams can you generate now that you have a book? We talked about speaking on stage. It's easier because now you are perceived as an authority. In fact, I was on a mastermind call with somebody who helps people get on stage. I was his guest because his group wanted to learn more about writing a book. And I asked him, do you, in your experience, have an easier time getting on stage because you have a book? He said 100%. Now, some people have a book to get on stage, but their books aren't very good. Well, we want to fix that. If you're going to get on stage, your book better be good or you'll be remembered for the wrong reasons. You don't want to have a stupid, crappy book that no one's going to buy. And if they feel like they got taken for a ride, they won't buy anything else you do because that is an impression of who you are and the quality of work you do. But if you've got something to sell from stage, that will be very helpful. And also, if you negotiate this, the event planner may agree to buy a copy of your book for everyone in the audience and you can sign those at the end of your talk. That's how you create celebrity status. Have videos done by a videographer if you have a videographer with you or maybe have someone take photos of you while you're signing books at the very least. As an example, my student leadership book was a book that I toured local high schools with when I lived in Arizona. And I frequently talked with schools that did not have my budget. So one school agreed to buy 55 copies for everyone in their honors class. And they read that book in class before I got there. Now, that school actually did have the wherewithal to buy books themselves. I had did another talk, one talk in particular, where I had to get sponsors in the community to buy books to give to the schools and they were all happy and grateful. And I promised to mention those sponsors names during my talk. And I did, but how cool is it when you do a speech at a school and you find out that the teacher had the class read your book before you got there, it was surreal to see how they approached me afterwards to have me sign their books. They had notes in the margins. They highlighted stuff. They asked me specific things about the content I wrote. So I knew these students had read my book. And in fact, one school had such a great experience with me that they invited me back to do a commencement speech several months later after I spoke to their students. So you never know where putting yourself out there can take you. One opportunity can lead to another, can lead to another, but you don't know where that second or third opportunity is going to come from if you don't take advantage of the first one or create that opportunity in the first place. How else can you generate revenue from your book other than speaking on stage? You can have a mastermind. It's a great way to educate and dive deep into your topic of expertise while getting paid very well. Let's say that your book is about how to write a book. You can do a yearly mastermind around different topics relating to that subject. 
You can also host live events. Another way to deep dive with your audience about your area of expertise, whether it's live or virtual, is to host a live event or a live summit online. Another way to generate revenue from your book is coaching. Now it can be group coaching, it can be one-on-one, -on -one, or it can be a combination thereof. Perhaps your entry level fee is a group coaching scenario. And if somebody wants one-on-one -on -one coaching, you can charge them more. And some people will pay for more. They want to experience you. Now, I enjoy group coaching. It's just fine. But I find that I get so much more valuable when I get one-on-one -on -one coaching from the person who's conducting the training. And so I am glad to pay my coach one-on-one -on -one for his time. And I get the best advice I probably could ever get for my business. Now, I was in a mastermind once with someone who made $250,000 a year coaching people on how to build a business around quilting. Quilting. I said quilting. You can make money around anything if you're creative enough. Another thing you can do to create money off of your book is to create a course, which I talked about earlier. You can do webinars. You can promote your services using your book. In fact, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, if you've ever read that, you know very well, as well as I do, that he talked about cash flow, his game, all the way through the book. And on the last page of the book, he talked about how you can buy his game. T. Harv Eker, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. He talked about come to his free weekend event for three days to dive deeper on the topics covered in his book. And his team would conduct these free three-day events all over North America and sometimes internationally. Now, bear in mind that toward the end of every session, the trainer of that session will try and sell a course to upgrade your membership, so to speak. So you can do an even deeper dive into what they're doing. And they did well enough financially that they could afford to let a whole bunch of people come free all over the country. So you can use your services to promote your book. Now, something else you can do to make money is you can use your book to generate sponsors and investors. Let's just say that you are uh, in the real estate industry. You can find people who might be willing to sponsor the event that you're doing if they like your book. You might find people who are willing to invest in whatever your business opportunity happens to be if they like your book and they are absolutely certain that you deliver results and that you are an expert in your topic. So having a book can attract in investors and sponsors. That's something most people don't think about that. You can use your book to promote your products. You can use content from your book to do a podcast or a radio show very much like this one. Now, let's just say that you've heard all of this and you have not written a book yet. How do you know whether you should do it yourself or whether you should hire it out? Well, let's just pretend that you've decided to hire it out to someone like myself. I've done this many times. If you are hiring a ghostwriter or thinking about hiring one, ask a lot of questions. You can even ask to see samples of their work. They can walk you through all the steps of how they'll get this done. They will likely do it faster than if you do it yourself, especially if you don't have time. I know people who are very well-intentioned, but three years later, they still haven't gotten around to writing, and it's a better return on your time because here's a universal principle that you should always remember and never forget. Rich people spend time, or rich people spend money to save time, Poor people spend time to save money. I will say that one more time in case you're taking notes. Rich people spend money to save time and poor people spend time to save money. And it makes a lot of sense. Let's just say, for example, that you charge $300 an hour to consult on your area of expertise. Are you going to do your own laundry when you can pay someone $10 or $15 an hour to do it? No. Are you going to mow your own lawn? No. 
I mean, you can, but it's not a great return on your time. If you want to double down and make the most possible money in your business, if that is your priority, spend more time doing the things that pay you better. And the things that don't pay you very well, there are people out there who will gladly do those things for you because they are looking for work. When you circulate money in the economy, you pay people to do the things that they're willing to do that you, do, that, that you don't want to do, the velocity of money will reward you. It's, it's just so fascinating because you're providing value to others and you are receiving value back in return because of the great service that you are receiving that you don't have to do yourself. But let's just say that you do want to write your book yourself. I talk to people all the time who can, but they don't want to. But some people think, I really, really should be the person who writes this book because I want it to be in my own voice. Great. You'll save money on the writer. You'll probably still have to pay an editor, our graphic designer, and printer to get your books copied and printed. If you have a deadline that you can meet yourself, you can write it alone. If you're property inspired, you can do it yourself. But let's just say, as we wind down, that you do want help writing your book, or at the very least, you want someone to coach you through the process of you writing this book to be your accountability partner and to point you in all the right directions. I would love to be that person for you. Visit writeabookforyou.com and set up a calendar link, uh, set up a time on my calendar if you want to have that conversation. Once again, that link is writeabookforyou.com, spelled all the way out. At the bottom of the page, there is a calendar link to get on my calendar. I'd be glad to have that conversation. And with that, we are done. Thank you for joining me here on Success Profiles Radio today. Join me every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I interview a world-class achiever and learn what they did, what they overcame, and the lessons we can learn along the way. Thank you. Take care. Have a great week. Talk to you next time. And have a wonderful week, everyone. Bye. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright.